You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Introducing the Mike Moore Ministries mobile app, your gateway to spiritual inspiration and godly leadership. With a host of practical features, it's like having a personal spiritual guide in the palm of your hand. Watch and listen to the How to Win podcast, get exclusive early access to the Answers That Work broadcast before it airs on television, receive uplifting and thought-provoking nuggets, and stay up to date with Mike Moore's speaking engagements through an interactive calendar. To download, visit your device's app store and search Mike Moore Ministries. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ. We always triumph. We always win in Christ. I began uh, some episodes ago a series entitled, taking advantage of your advantage. The theme that's running through this series is the advantage that you and I believers have when dealing with the death of a loved one. Now, I interrupted the podcast direction. I was uh, involved in a leadership edition on both my Tuesday podcast and my Thursday podcast. Now you're listening to the the Thursday uh, podcast. I continued the Tuesday podcast on leadership, but I had this unction, this leading from the Holy Spirit, a a redirection from the Holy Spirit to teach on this subject or this theme of dealing with the death of loved ones. Whenever the Holy Spirit changes my course or redirects me, it's because he sees someone who needs to hear it. So I listen, I don't know whether you're experiencing the death of a loved one, I don't know whether it's that you know someone who's experiencing the death of the loved one or whether or not God is preparing you for a time when you will be in the family seat. You know, at funerals, there is a section uh, where the family sits, the family of the deceased loved one, uh, the family seat. If Jesus should tarry, all of us at some time or another will be sitting in the family seat. So I want you, if you're dealing with the death of a loved one and this message speaks to where you are, I want you to listen very carefully. I want you to go back. You can go back to MikeMoreMinisters.org. You can go back to YouTube and I want you to listen to the episode over and over. But because this is a continuing series, I want you to go back and listen to all the series and stay with us because we got a lot to talk about in this particular area. If you know someone, tell them about the podcast. Tell them to listen to the podcast. And then I want you to listen because God is proactive. 
You know, he wants to prepare you for the day when you may have to deal with the death of a loved one. So we're talking about taking advantage of your advantage. (laughs) The word advantage means having an edge. It means to have an upper hand. It means to uh, have a better or dominating position. Now, God doesn't promise us that everyone we're close to, all of our relationships will continue through the duration of our lives. In fact, it's an inevitable reality that some people leave, depart, die before others. But he does promise us, and that's the that's the the background scripture of this of these podcasts, we always win. We can overcome. So we've looked at the peace advantage, the joy advantage, the strength advantage. But in this lesson, this episode, we're going to talk about the comfort advantage. As a believer, you have the advantage of supernatural comfort. Now, John, now Jesus promised this comfort in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 18, and I'll read it to you from the King James Version. John 14, verse 16 and verse 18. Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. I will not leave you comfortless. Verse 18, Jesus says, I will come to you. The word comforter in the Greek, in the New Testament was written in the Greek language, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language. In the Greek language, the word comforter means one called alongside to help. Jesus said to the disciples and ultimately he said to you and I, listen, I'm leaving. I'm going back to my father. But he said to them, I'm going to pray and ask the father to send you another comforter, one who will come alongside and give you assistance. In other words, you have supernatural assistance. Think about that. That is an advantage. The text also communicates that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one Jesus was referring to when he says another comforter. This text communicates that the Holy Spirit will abide with us forever. That tells us we're never alone. Now, you, you've experienced this probably or have been a part of this experience. When someone dies, usually, if they're connected, there will be families who will gather and friends who will gather. People will call. Sometimes they will give cards and money and, and prepare meals and do visitation and they will come to the funeral and they may, may call. There's a lot of support. But after the funeral is when people really adjust And people go back into their world, not because they don't care, but that's just the nature of life. So people may leave, 
but the Holy Spirit will never leave. You are never alone. Let's look at the word comfort because we're talking about the comfort advantage that you have. The word comfort means to alleviate pain, to release pressure, to encourage, to cheer up. When, when someone that you love depart, and that's the Bible a word for die, for death, when someone you love departs this life, you need someone to alleviate your pain. I'm, I'm not talking about physical pain, although it could transition into physical pain. That emotional pain of the loss, you want someone that can alleviate that pain. That's what comfort is. It is alleviating the pain. And then there's pressure. There's so much to do. There are funeral arrangements. There's calling family members. There's scheduling, talking to the funeral uh, directors, scheduling the funeral after there's a lot of pressure handling obligations and and uh, debts and and insurance and all those things and and sometimes there's so much pressure, <clears throat> but the word comfort means to release pressure, but it also means to encourage because when someone dies, you feel discouraged. But the Holy Spirit was sent to encourage and cheer you up. Jesus said something very interesting, and I want to go back to our text. In John 14, verse 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's a promise. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, even though he knew that he was going to experience a, and a death. He knew that he's preparing them for the time when he's going to die. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And you know what? Like I said earlier, this is not a negative statement. The day will come where when someone, where someone significant that you love will depart this life because God never promised that everyone that we love and everyone close to us will be with us the duration of our lives. So Jesus is saying that to you. I will not leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. So what does the word comfortless mean? The word, the word comfortless means orphan. He said, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. Well, an orphan is one that is abandoned. An orphan is one that is left to thin for him or herself. Jesus said, I will come to you in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I will bring assistance and you will not have to handle life by yourself. You will not have to deal with this situation by yourself. You will not have to go through the situation. You will not have to handle the pressure by yourself, deal with the pain by yourself. He says, I will not leave you an orphan. You're not going to have to fend, take care of, you, take care of yourself. You're not going to have to do it by yourself and in your own strength and ability. That's a beautiful promise. 
So what is the scope of this comfort? What, you know, what is the range of it? Does it have limitations? Well, let's look at a Bible text. The Word of God is the answer. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 4 in the New Living Translation. It says, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. What a powerful verse. What powerful, life-transforming promises. The, the text that I just read to you in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, it says that God is the source of all comfort. Think about that. He's the source of all comfort. Come on, say that. All comfort. Say it one more time. All comfort. He's the source of all comfort. And then here's the promise. He comforts us in all our trouble. He comforts us in all our trouble, everything that we're going through, the bereavement, the loss, the, the challenge in our families, coming up with the finances. Maybe there wasn't no insurance. He comforts us in all our troubles when we are troubled. And then he says, we'll be able to comfort others with the comfort that he has given us. Now, here's the implication. If we don't have comfort, we can't give it to others. Now, here, here's something that you have to understand. I don't want to put any pressure on you, but you have to understand, believer, that many or some of your family members will not have the Holy Spirit in them. They, they, they are not born again. And, and you're fortunate if most of your members are born again. But you're going to have some members that are not saved, not born again, and the Holy Spirit is not in them. And they're going to really need comfort. And a part of your witness is that you'll be able to share the comfort that you have with them encourage them and cheer them up. That's a part of your witness. But if you don't have comfort, you can't give comfort. So now we're talking about the scope of the comfort. Listen at this. This is beautiful. Regardless of the condition or the circumstances of the departed loved one. In other words, regardless of the condition of, uh, of, of the death, Regardless of the nature of the death, the comfort of the Holy Spirit is more than sufficient. I'll give you some illustrations. Let's say your loved one was saved. There's comfort for you. Let's say your loved one wasn't saved. God still wants to comfort you. And then the truth of the matter is you don't know when or how a person may have invited Jesus in their life. You don't always know that. But let's say you think the person got saved. 
Well, there's absolutely nothing you can do about the situation, but God wants to comfort you. Let's say the person was a very young person. There's comfort. Let's say the person was a senior, older person. There's comfort. Let's say the, the, the death was an untimely death. I mean, just too soon. There's comfort. Let's say the person lived a long life. There's comfort. If the person died with sickness, there's comfort. If the person died suddenly, it was a sudden death. You didn't anticipate it. There's comfort. He's the God of all comfort. Let's say it was tragic, a fire, died in a fire, died in a car accident, died through violence or a criminal act. There is comfort. He is the God of all comfort. Jesus is our example of the availability of comfort in a very tragic situation. Now, I'm going to say something. Don't let me throw you off now. I'm just challenging your thinking. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and preparing them because he's going to go to a cross and experience a tragic death. So let's look at the nature of Jesus' death. When Jesus died, he was not saved. I know that sounds strange. It almost sounds blasphemous that Jesus was saved. Why not remember, remember how I'm talking? I'm talking in spiritual context. When Jesus took on our sins, he became sin. He became sin. In other words, he became what we were. So when he died, he died an unsaved life because he died without sins. The Bible says he was quickened in the spirit. After he paid the price, he was made alive in the spirit, born again in his spirit, reborn in his spirit. So we got Jesus who wasn't saved when he died. Now follow the context. Don't get offended. See how I'm saying that. Then he was too young to die, just 33 and a half years old, too young to die. He died a tragic, horrible death right in the view of his family. They saw it. They, from a distance, saw them nail hand, their, his hands to the cross, his feet to the cross. They saw the blood. They heard the, the, the cry that he made. That was a horrible death. And they viewed it. Family members viewed the death. And then shortly after he died and was raised from the dead, maybe he stayed around maybe 40 days, he went back to heaven. Think about it. He left. Yet when he was speaking to his disciples, he said, listen, I will not leave you comfortless. You're not going to be an orphan. You're not going to have to fend for yourself. You're not going to have to take care of yourself. You're not going to have to handle it by yourself. You're not going to have to handle it in your strength. So let's talk briefly about some of the vehicles of God's comfort so we'll know how to cooperate with him. Sometimes God uses other people to comfort us. Sometimes those people are unsaved. They can just do something nice for you. 
It can be a co-worker, maybe not a Christian, but they are so concerned about you and it brings you comfort. God will use unsaved people. But then in 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, he said to believers, then comfort one another with these words. So God will use other believers, allow people to comfort you. Then secondly, the scriptures in, in Romans 15, 4 brings us comfort. And then in Hebrews 10, 25, it talks about forsaking, not the assembling of Isaiah, the, the gathering of believers, church service, run to God, run to church. Don't stay at home. Go to church. Go to church and get around the anointing and get around the presence of God. And then sometimes God will use the voice of the Holy Spirit. As I close, I want to give you two keys to releasing the comfort of the Holy Spirit in your life. Key number one, make the decision to accept God's comfort. Make the decision to accept God's comfort. Make the decision to accept. Now, the Bible says in Genesis 37, 35, that Jacob refused comfort. That his sons had lied about Joseph being killed. And even though he had not been killed, Joe, uh, uh, Jacob believed it. And so he's mourning and the, the, the kids are coming in, the daughters and the sons trying to comfort their father. And the Bible say he refused comfort. He refused it. Why would a person refuse comfort? Let's talk about that for a minute. Sometimes people refuse comfort because of self-pity. Self-pity. They feel cheated. In life, sometimes people refuse comfort because of sense of indebtedness. They feel like they owe the person so much. They have this belief: this person was so good to me. This person did so much for me, and, and, and I'm, I'm just indebted to them. So they think if they move on, then that's insensitive to what the person did for them. That's a false belief. Sometimes people re resist comfort because of guilt. They, they felt like I should have did this. I should have done that. Regret. I wish I could have. Wish I could have. And so they don't feel like they deserve to be comforted. Sometimes people resist comfort because of ungodly love connections. They don't want comfort because they want to stay connected. They, their grief keeps them connected. They don't want peace. They don't want joy. They, they, want, to, they want to mourn because they want to stay connected to the person. Again, that's a false belief. Sometimes people... In fact, I call that an ungodly love connection. I think a major reason why people refuse comfort is because of anger and disillusionment. I'm mad at God. God took my mama. God took my daddy. God took my husband. God took my wife. God took my grandmama. God took my child. I'm mad at God. And sometimes people become disillusioned and they don't want to go to church. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want, they threw with God because they don't understand the Bible. So quickly, I'm going to say something really quick. Sometimes people are holding God responsible for what he's not responsible for. 
because they have this belief, and I believe it's a false belief. I believe, and, and the sweetest I can say it is a misguided belief that God is in control and God is just controlling everything. And so every time a person dies, it's because God wanted them to die because if he didn't want them to die, he would have kept them alive. Listen, please listen to me right quick. Come on up, come up real close. I want you to listen. There's a difference in the Bible between sovereignty and control. Different. Yes, it is. So what people mean when they say God is in control, they're using the wrong word. No, God is sovereign. He's not in control. Sovereignty means to be supreme in authority, supreme in power, supreme in position, supreme in status. It means to be answerable to no one. God is sovereign. He's answerable to no one. He doesn't have to ask anybody permission. He doesn't have to ask for the right to do anything. He's sovereign. Unless he can deal the any way he want to deal with his creation, that's sovereignty. Okay, let's look at control. Please come on up close. Let me tell you the difference between control. Now, control is different. The word control literally means to dictate behavior. It means to govern performance. It means to, dic to dictate or decide one's thoughts and behavior. God is not doing that. Listen, he's not dictating our behavior. He's not governing our performance. He's not, uh, he's not making us think or do something because if God was controlling us like that, he can hold us accountable. We hold him accountable. That would be unfair for him to hold us accountable if he's controlling everything. You ever use a remote? Come on, come on. You ever use a remote? See, the person who has the TV remote is in control. You control when the TV is on. You control what comes on the station. That's control. Now, sovereignty, maybe God is the source of how you got the TV. Maybe God gave you the money to buy the TV. Maybe God gave you the remote. But you are in control. Now, watch this. In his sovereignty, please come up close, come up close now. In God's sovereignty, because he's over everybody, he made three purposeful decisions. Three, three. He made three purposeful decisions. The first decision related to dominion. The second decision related to partnership. And the third decision related to free will. Notice dominion partnership, free will. In his sovereignty, nobody made him do it. Nobody made him do it. He decided in his sovereignty to give the earth to man. That's dominion to rule. He said, let them have dominion. Now that decision that he made to give man dominion limits God. Secondly, he decided Nobody made him do it because he's sovereign. He decided to operate in the earth through humans, not independent of them. That's partnership. That's why the scripture says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my faith. He said, I'll hear from heaven. I'll heal the land. Well, God, why don't you just heal the land? You see the land, you see the people struggling. Why do we have to pray? Because in his sovereignty, he decided that he would operate in the earth uh, with and through humans, not independent of them. That's why we have to pray 
pray, even though God knows what we need before we pray. Not partnership. And then thirdly, God is not controlling everything. He's not. I'm telling you he's sovereign, but he's not. He gave man free will. Free will means I have choice. I can say yes and I can say no. If God was in control, we would not have the right to say yes. We would not have the right to say no. God will have the remote and say, you're going to say yes and you're going to say no. But he will allow people to choose to not accept him, even though he know it's best for them, because he is not in control. He is sovereign. He's not in control. So that much of what happens in the earth, God never intended for it to happen. But he made three decisions to give dominion, to enter into partnership with man and to give man free will. So a lot happens in the earth that God did not want to happen. I just wanted to share these things with you so that you could understand uh, that being angry with God is misguided. It is, it is I'm, trust me, it is misguided. Listen, I'm out of time, but I, listen, I still got some more information. I still got some more things that I want to share with you in our next episode. We're going to talk about the hope advantage. Listen, you got a peace advantage. You got a joy advantage. You got a strength advantage. You got a comfort advantage. But guess what? You have a hope advantage. Listen, thank you for spending this time with me. Go back and listen to it. Let others know that, that Mike is teaching on taking advantage of your advantage, how to deal with the death of a loved one and when. I love you, and I look forward to seeing you next time.